I just want to get this out of the way. I am not an African-American. I know, I know. So many of you in here are looking at me and you're thinking, well, I thought she was, but just stop. <laughs> Save yourself. <laughs> Whatever you think I am, trust me, I'm not. I'm actually not even American. And uh, it's always one of those things to kind of let people know because people, they see me and they make assumptions. When they hear me, they're even more confused. <laughs> I grew up in a household raised with two Jamaican parents, so my parents aren't American either. My older siblings are Jamaican, and even my two younger siblings, who are both US born, are more Jamaican than they are American. And I've never been to Africa, so. I'm not an African-American. My dad raised us with his love of the English language. I guess you could call his love of the English language more of an obsession. Because in our household, we couldn't use words such as ain't. There was no way we could use double negatives. And whenever we forgot some of these rules, my dad would either correct, correct us, or he would simply ask us to restate the sentence or the question. <laughs> About the second time he did that, it would click in our young minds, oh, <laughs> I use the word ain't. My mom, on the other hand, just wanted to make sure that we had a really good education because she knew that we were living in the US, we looked like this, and being educated, sounding educated, is the only way we wouldn't have to face a lot of the obstacles that they both had to face in being here. I have always been an other because I sound like this and I look like this. It didn't matter that my parents were immigrants. It didn't matter that I was an immigrant. When people saw me, they assumed that I was an African-American. And with that, they felt that I should probably fit more of whatever they saw on TV or whatever they heard on the radio. And this was you know, white Americans as well as black Americans. So all through my kindergarten to 12th, grade years, I had to do this um, odd dance, this weird navigation, and uh, my friend, storyteller Willie mentioned, I had to be a chameleon. I was really good at blending into the seams of fabric and being wherever and whomever I had to be. When I left high school, I was now a high school graduate, I enrolled in junior college, which is community college. And it was at that point I started meeting more people in the community, in the community at large. I started seeing and meeting and taking classes with professors who looked like me. 
And I started learning a lot more about how to be okay with being me. So I, as I like to say, I grew taller in my soul. Mm -hmm. And I started defining who I wanted to be. And because I was young, and I'm a mother's child, I insisted that people embraced who I said I was. Um, I probably wasn't as tactful as I probably needed to be. <laughs> in correcting people, I think I'm a bit better about it now. Maybe. <laughs> when I was 19, my, my mom was on the phone. Um, she'd been making calls throughout the day. Um, to find a second job because my mom does fit the stereotype of Jamaicans and having multiple jobs and she always stayed busy and it wasn't a luxury it was a necessity I was in my bedroom on the computer and I'd been listening in and out of her calls and her conversations and she either set up interviews with people or she was leaving messages on the answering machine but this last call actually caught my attention because it was really short. It was shorter than even the calls that she made leaving messages on someone's machine. I kept doing my computer thing. And then my mom called me. So I, in my teenage way, sort of lumbered out of my room towards her, hoping she didn't have some chore for me to do. <laughs> and as I approached her, in the kitchen where the phone was, she said, come here, you sound white. I want you to do me a favor. And that broke my stride. Hmm. I remember I actually caught myself mid-step, mid-air. Because while I really had heard that I sound white practically all my life, I hadn't ever really heard it from my mom. And I'm really trying to just grapple with it all at once and sort of take it in and in my very overanalytical way process on the spot. And I barely have time because she launches into the reason why she was calling me. She felt that there was something really odd about this last phone call that she made. She felt that the role that she'd been told was filled wasn't really filled. And you can call it my young naivete. I questioned that because I said, Mom, you weren't on the phone very long. Of course the job is filled. Now the role that my mom was calling about was a home health aid position. And for those of you who don't know, it's pretty much a, a caregiving role. Um, my mom has been a caregiver for someone her entire life. But more importantly, she was also certified for at least over, over a decade. And this role didn't require that you be a certified home health aide, but it did require that you have first aid and CPR certification and experience being a home health aide. And those roles are actually really high in demand, but they're low in supply. This is Southern California at the time. 
So she starts talking to me about this role she wants me to play. She comes up with the name Mary. I'm going to be Mary. And she wants me to call and inquire about this job. And she tells me what she wants me to say and some things she wants me to ask. And I'm still thinking in my head, you, kept, you just said I sound white. I'm still dealing with all of that. <laughs> because I, I wasn't really sure even what that meant. As I'm talking with her, I'm trying to hear myself. It does sound white. And then I'm trying to keep track of this story she wants me to pretend on the phone. So I, I dial. And I get the woman, and it doesn't take me long to realize it's the same woman who spoke to my mom only moments ago. And I politely greet her and say, hi, I'm calling to find out if this role has been filled. I saw it in the penny saver. And the woman says to me, no, it hasn't been filled. And in fact, she tells me that she's had so few queries, she was wondering if it would ever be filled. And so she was so excited that I was calling. I am dumbstruck. And I'm not sure what I'm going to say to my mom when I get off this phone call. But the phone call doesn't end. The woman on the phone asked me if I have a resume. And I explained to her that no, I, I don't have a resume. This would be my first job. I actually don't even have any experience being a home elf aide, but um, I'm really enthusiastic. And she said she could tell how enthusiastic I was, and that was something that would be really key in this role. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, I tell her that I also don't have the first aid and the CPR certification, and I see that that's required. She comforts me. <laughs> and tells me not to worry about that because she can tell that I'm so sharp and intelligent that I'd have no problems passing the certification exams before my first assignment. So not to worry about the ad and the requirements in it, that she feels that I would be a really good fit. She gives me a fax line, and I, and I actually had read her the fax number that was in the ad, and she told me, no, don't worry about that one. That's the journal one. This is my direct fax line. Because I want you to fax me your resume when you put it together. Because I want to be the one to personally receive it. So that I can put it in front of the hiring manager. She asked me if I think I'd be able to get it to her by 5 o'clock that day. And I said, actually, I'm on my way to class. I don't know if I'm going to have time to put something together. And she says, let me give you my direct line. Wow. <laughs> And then you call me when you think that you're going to be able to fax it, because I really feel that you'd be such an asset to work here. She's doing backflips and cartwheels and everything possible to help this inexperienced nobody get this job. And I'm standing there looking at my mom looking at my mom who's, who's standing across the counter from me. And it's this, I'm just, I'm just being hit by waves and waves and waves of a whole lot of emotions. 
there's the, I don't understand quite what's happening here because I'm pretty sure my mom didn't mishear you say that the role was filled. And this woman, if I hadn't heard this conversation she had with my mom, I mean, she sounded really nice. Imagine being so helpful. And I, I can't reconcile all of this, and especially not during this phone call. And I'm angry. I'm pissed because I've experienced bigotry and racial prejudice and racial hatred. We lived in Southern California, a hub of the KKK, not too far from where we live. I'm good. I really am because remember, I know who I am. So situations and words don't tend to affect me the way they do some other folk. But this was my mom. And I was fucking pissed. Mm -hmm. So I summon up my Oscar-winning performance ending, <laughs> and I graciously thank her for all of her help. And she, she asked me to make sure that I get her my resume as soon as I can. And I say to her, oh, absolutely. After everything you've done for me, how could I not? <laughs> and I hang up the phone, and I don't have words. And I'm, I'm a chatty person. <laughs> Lack of words is not my issue, but I don't know what to say. And my mom, I think she caught it as I was having this conversation. Like, there's this realization of things that she's been trying to keep us sheltered from so long and it all just kind of came to a head with that one phone call. Yeah. So in my, I'm 19, I have been fighting against injustice for this whole long time of my adulthood and this, I have now reclaimed myself and I am black and you don't do this shit to black people, not today. I decide that I'm filing a complaint. I'm like, I don't even know if you can file a complaint about this, but I feel like you should be able to. And I start going on and my mom is like, oh law, just, just leave it. Cause she just, she sees and she knows how I am. And I'm like a pit bull, I'm not letting go. I'm not gonna drop this because I said to my mom, no one's mom deserves this to happen. Yeah. And it's not gonna happen now that I know it happened. So I dig out the phone book and I find the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission branch in San Diego. And I call them and I actually get an agent <coughs> on the phone and I tell him our story. I don't know what happened to the woman who was at once gracious and at once quite bigoted. But I do know that there was an investigation by the EEOC. And apparently we were not the first. I guess we weren't actually the last. Um, there was a fine and there was actually even a write-up in the San Diego Union Tribune about it. And I remember thinking that I'm so very clear that I'm not an African-American, but I'm even clearer that I'm a proud black woman who revels in being an other. That's right. <laughs>